That's good. That's great. That's good, isn't it? That's good, isn't it? That's fantastic. I'm ready when you are. David Cunliffe remains about as popular in the Labour caucus as a pussycat at Gareth Morgan's house. Look, this is a la-la budget when my eyebrow goes up. It's a joke. The police still arrest criminals in New Zealand. We've tried cannabis prohibition for the past 40 years. The fact is, that was a boring, useless speech. Sip it, sweetie, I'm getting there. Mr. Speaker, they say a week is a long time in politics. Hello and welcome to the Iron Duke podcast, uh, your weekly recap of all things policy and politics, where we discuss our peaks and our pits, most interesting bits and anything that fits from Aotearoa and around the globe. I'm Maddie Burgess-Smith and with me is Senior Consultant Byron Terrace. Byron, hi. Hello, well this is very exciting, isn't it Madison? It is, it really is. It's, uh, it's really good to finally share this with you. We've been working on a on a podcast idea for a few months and this being the first episode we're going to cover quite a few things so today we're probably going to talk a little bit about the vaccine uptake we're going to talk about alert level changes in Auckland we're going to talk about shared home ownership and there'll be some interesting things there on the latest emergency legislation and very shortly we'll be bringing in the man himself the Iron Duke Mr Phil O'Reilly. So you can expect this podcast to be your weekly summary of everything you need to know, be that policy, politics, what's happening in New Zealand that you need to be across, or, or around the world more broadly. We hope to keep it light and fun. Yeah, this hopes to be a digestible piece, so something short and sweet and snappy so that you can get the key things that you need to know, so you don't have to read for our clients our longest newsletters. So those of you who have been working with us for a while will be more than familiar with, with Phil's style of insights. So we thought who better to have along as our, as our very first guest. Okay, Phil, welcome to the podcast. This is really good to have you on considering you are the Iron Duke himself. Uh, so a couple of questions uh, that we really want to talk to you about today is what on earth happened on Monday and what does that mean for New Zealand? Well, basically we joined the rest of the world, didn't we? So we've had uh, the, the elimination strategy, which was well supported, including by the business community for quite a while. It was, it worked in the context that it kept our population safe and enabled the government to throw an awful lot of money at the economy uh, and businesses were able to, to, to carry on as a result of that. In my sense, it was never going to last Delta. It was never going mm. uh, to be successful under Delta, but you know, the government wanted to carry on with it. Now it's gone. So now we join the rest of the world in the sense that and my suspicion is that in, that uh, COVID Delta will become endemic in New Zealand in the same way that it largely is around the rest of the world. Bear in mind, we come off a good base, though. I mean, we've we haven't had the deaths and mm. and difficulties of other countries, and so you know, that's a good thing. And we can and we can bank that and and hopefully move on. But what it does expose is that we're now, you know, at the back end. Yeah, where we are the you know one of the lowest vaccinated countries in the in the OECD. We are still closed uh, in terms of our borders, hard closed when much of the rest of the world is already opening up. Uh, and the downside of all of that, of course, is that New Zealand's always struggled for relevance in global markets. We've mm. always had to get out and about. I mean, I've, I've made the point many times that at senior levels, business is, is and always has been a contact sport. You need to go out and meet people and shake a hand and create trust and so on. And New Zealanders have been very good at that, but it does require us to leave our, leave our border and get on and, and do things around the world. Uh, one of the challenges we faced when we had an elimination strategy was that it was quite hard to say, well, we can learn directly from what's going on in, yeah. say, Japan or mm. Germany because they had a different strategy to us. Well, now, largely, we're all on the same strategy and you'd hope that the upside is 
that government and everybody else can learn rapidly from what's going on in those countries. No evidence they're doing it so far, but let's hope they'll start. So how should we go about reconnecting? I know the Prime Minister released her Reconnecting New Zealand strategy, which had to be kind of rethought because of Delta. Well, we should firstly learn from what everybody else is doing Mm. uh, and try not to do too much that's bespoke to us. Mm. Uh, If there's a big standard, you know, vaccine passport out there, we should we should join that. If there's a particular way of, of recording air travel, we should do that. Uh, if there's some best practice around uh, testing, we should do that. Uh, so we shouldn't try, as we so often do in New Zealand, to try and do it all ourselves and have the not invented ear syndrome. We should just do the standard things, which is what we've largely done, is we've thought about trading, trading and, and doing business around the world over the years. But we should very much now, I hope, be f- feeling positive given the fact we will end up with a pretty high vaccination rate, whether we hit 90, we'll get close, I think. You know, we should feel positive now about about moving forward, and, and I'd hope the government will start to lead us out on that. And if you want a good example of that, have a look at Scott Morrison across the Tasman, who's saying, you know, we are going to be open, we are going to be mm. doing this, we're going to celebrate milestones. You know, if you get to 70, you can have a beer at the pub or whatever it might be. Our government has been pretty reticent about doing that over the last you know four or five days. Now I understand that they're only just pivoting away from yeah. from elimination, yeah. so you know it's not that simple for them to all of a sudden do something everybody else is doing. But my sense is when we go forward now, I think it really should be the, the government working much more closely with the business community. You hope to say what does this what does this look like and how can we do it quickly because now we need to pick up the benefit of that high vaccination rate, hopefully later this year, early New Year. What do you see the business community's role being? Well, right now, getting as many um, needles and arms as we possibly can. You know, the government did a pretty poor job of of working with the business community through this whole thing. It's been very tightly held. There's been a lot of frustration. You've seen it publicly. I've heard it privately too. Frustration in the business community that the, the government wasn't really working in a trusted way with the business community and others too, by the way. And what we've seen now is government saying, well, look, um, now the business community's got to step forward and get everybody vaccinated with us. Well, Okay, it would have been good perhaps if the government had worked with the business community a bit more effectively over the last six months or so to, to sort of set ourselves up for that. Mm. But I think as a business person, you can't you can't say, well, look, you know, you, you tried to exclude us earlier on, you didn't really listen to us, so why would we help you now? In fact, I think the opposite is true. I think the business people I'm speaking to and I think the business community more generally needs to say, okay, now we're going to step up. We're really going to help lead this. And there's some, there's some easy things you can do as a business person to, in, to improve vaccination rates amongst your own staff, and in particular... I'd raise the issue of using the idea that employers are trusted advisors. One of the things we find as we look at the statistics all around the world on this is that trust in business has actually risen through COVID. Uh, and that's because business people, employers, were seen as trusted advisors of their workers. So they were seeing them as keeping safe and giving them information and so on. Well, I think we should use that that benefit that we've got. So shoes on the other foot and you're an official rather, rather than a business person. What do you? What's your first step to reaching out? Well, I think you'd work out particularly through you know the business business New Zealand and the major business organizations I know I would say that but of course I think that is the right option because you've got in New Zealand you've got about 50% of people employed in small business and about another 40 odd percent employed in the bigger businesses so there's quite a bang for your buck issue about getting a hold of the warehouse or in New Zealand or the banks or the supermarkets and really working directly with them now of course central government uh, bureaucrats and officials are a little bit hamstrung in all of this because the project is being run by the various DHBs, mm. a more local thing. Now, whether that's good or bad, that means, I think, that central government bureaucrats should be working very closely with the DHBs to say, here are some things that work. Why don't you rapidly try these new ideas and new experimentations yeah, yeah, with the yeah. bigger employers mm. in particular? And then with the smaller businesses, 
you know, they also get together collectively. They get together collectively through their trade association or through their local chamber or mm. through their through their accountants or the Rotary Club or whatever it might be. And so there are other ways of reaching them, I think. And uh, government is really missing a trick unless they really activate that quite quickly, I think. The question on a lot of people's minds, though, is where to next? What comes after this? We need to be inspired about reconnecting with the world, fundamentally. I mean, we've been, we've been sitting here safe, secure, and I suspect somewhat frightened about what's been going on around the world. Well, the world came to see us, mm. as the world always does in New Zealand, and I think we just need to now move forward with some more inspired leadership and some more positivity and some more hope around what the next phase might look like. I think we just need to get our heads around that and move on. And mm-hmm. that includes opening up our economy. It includes tourists coming here. It includes international mm-hmm. students coming here. It includes celebrating family reconnection and business reconnection. We just need to, I think, yeah. really get on yeah. with it and start that kind of conversation in that language. The, cel- the celebration of that is something I think is really key. Exactly. And it needs to be led by the same voices that led us into this, which is the government. That's right. So moving slightly away from... COVID-19 into the future of our economy here in New Zealand. Today's uh, Wednesday and we've just had the announcement from the Reserve Bank to increase the official cash rate by 0.25% after they delayed the increase last time because of the latest outbreak. What does that mean for the economy, Phil? Where are we going? Well, it's welcome in a sense because you're, you're getting some pretty big inflation mm. pressures coming into the economy and I'm old enough to remember when inflation was a real problem. Uh, and stagflation too, high inflation and low growth, uh, it's, a real, it's a real issue. And mm. so, you know, I'm one of those who thinks that inflation has a bad habit of being thought about as temporary and turns out it's not. So in terms of the core macroeconomic uh, thing that could be done in New Zealand, the Reserve Bank's done the right thing to lift interest rates, and I think it was well understood and well signalled. So hopefully that'll start to take some inflationary pressure out of the economy. The challenge is, of course, that all the indications are it won't do much in housing for the time being. And that's a core part of our inflationary story and a core part of our community uh, success story. If, we, if we're locking young people out of the, the promise of home ownership, then that's a, that's a major problem for our democracy and for our society and the communities that, that, that uh, we want to be successful in. The worrying thing today, in one sense from the OCR announcement, is that the main victims of all of that, if you like, the main payers of that stuff will will also be young people trying to get into their first house yeah. or those who've recently invested in a house and really stretched themselves to do so. So mm. if you think about first home buyers, you're thinking about not only have they got a higher interest rate now, but they've also got all those other loan requirements that mm. have been put in place, the LVR requirements. And if you're a, a struggling young person, just bought a house in the last year, finally got your foot on the, yep, on the, on ladder. the, on the, on the ladder, you know, you've also got the problem that uh, now your interest rates will rise. So in a sense, uh, the, the ones who most get impacted by this are the young. Uh, that's the way these things are. But there's other things that the government can do to be decreasing house prices, and they need to get on and do that. I'd say it's a sign of a pretty robust economy right now. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, of course, if, you, if you're spending, as John Key made the point the other day, if you're spending a billion dollars of government money in the economy, things are going to go pretty well. Uh, mm. And <laughs> what you're seeing is a lot of two-speed kind of stuff going on in the economy. So if you're in the construction sector, things are going well. Take aside the supply chain issues. If you're in retail or in hospitality, then things aren't going so well. So I think when we look at those macro numbers and macro pictures and we say, gee, aren't we going well as a country, I I tend to also look at things like those small businesses that are really battling, who are not getting their bills paid in 30 days or even 60 or 90 days at the moment. So we need to make sure that the the economic upturn is one that is inclusive, not just Mm in the macro sense, but also for small businesses, for uh, for employees and for those in rural and regional New Zealand and in all the sectors around the place. So 
increasing interest rates I think was the right thing to do, but there's much more to be done in the microeconomic space and the government regulation and encouragement of business space, ease of hiring and all that sort of stuff to make sure that the the economic upturn is as broad and as inclusive as it possibly can Mm. be. Do you think the government needs to be doing more in terms of targeted packages? Generally speaking, I'm always a bit suspicious of targeted packages because you've got to work out what what the boundaries are for targeted packages. The better idea, I think, instead of saying targeted packages, it's better to say, what can we do to particularly improve small business prospects? That Mm. would be a good example, right? Mm. So Mm. it's those small businesses who've got not so much of a headway in terms of balance sheet or in terms of, uh, you know, they'll be guaranteeing their business loans on their house and so on. How could we make sure that those people feel more confident to grow? Because in every economy, including New Zealand, the big job engines of growth and the big stable job engines of growth tend to be small businesses. Small businesses. Yeah, so if you can, right. so instead of thinking about what do we do for tourism or manufacturing or, or education businesses, rather really focus in on what can we do for small businesses? Because if you help them, you'll help every business. Help everyone, and it's that inclusive recovery that you're talking about. Precisely, and that and it's those small businesses and the, and the likes of you know, I was just in Tiana the other day. That the likes of Tiana, you want them to get back on their feet because that's how you'll get that employment going in places in New Zealand where traditionally it's been quite tough. I think we're going to come out of this, and there's going to be a lot of small businesses who are over leveraged, and it's going to prevent them from taking a risk for for quite a few years to come. Well, precisely. There'll be, there'll be a number of small businesses and, and others who, if they survive this thing through to Christmas, and let's hope they do, they'll just survive. They will survive, I feel like. They won't be healthy coming in. and That'll hurt their, their risk appetite uh, in, into the coming years, and it will also hurt their capacity to raise money, to borrow, and their capacity to employ. Mm. So the, the idea that it's all sunny uplands because the government spent a whole lot of money in the economy kind of was for a while, but if you look out two years out from now, when that government spigot has been turned off, mm. uh, hopefully, because otherwise we'll be paying for it with our great great grandchildren. Uh, then the real economy needs to take over, and we need to we need to be thinking about that now. What would we do to improve the capacity for business to employ, to hire, to grow now? And that's something I haven't seen the government talking much about that. So, Phil, thank you so much for your insights. It's always good to hear your thoughts here in uh, Iron Duke Partners Studios, also known as The Office. So we're just going to finish off on a real quick fire, hot or not, quite simply, just a couple of topics, and all you need to do is, is say hot or not. Will do. All right, here they come. First one, inflation, hot or not? Not. Terrible. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go again. Inflation. Awful. Terrible. Not. OCR raise. Probably hot, I think. Good idea. Travel for business. Hot. Get on with it. The last one is the M-I-Q-U-E-U-E. Oh, the Q. That's yeah. just the not hottest thing imaginable. That is just a, a trail of human misery. <laughs> is, Someone says, no, that is just a shocker. What a disaster. It's Maddie, a what's yours? Rent to buy schemes. Hot-ish. <laughs> yep. If they're done right, they can be hot. Is this, I'm, I get this wrong, I know, so I'm not doing hot or not, I'm just saying maybe, yeah. That works. It's Classic, good. yeah. Anyway. Susie Wiles being gutted. A not. I mean, I hope everybody would be included in, in our way forward. <laughs> a really inclusive recovery, right? Yeah. That's the one. Do you have a couple for us? Yeah. Uh, Aucklanders without haircuts. Not. Yeah, hot. I like to see what people look like naturally. Yeah, fair enough too. I agree with that. What about uh, COVID coming south? Not. Well, it's inclusive. <laughs> well, we're all going to get it someday. Fantastic. Phil, that was brilliant. Um, really appreciate your time. Well, that's our first interview all day. We did forget to thank him for this nice podcast equipment. Um, I think the listeners will be thanking us for this nice podcast equipment, Eddie. <laughs> I'll write him a post-it note. So there we go. Right, I think we should start talking about our peaks and our pits very quickly. Yeah, so just, just to go over one thing that really caught my eye this week, the shared homeownership um, announcement 
from the housing minister Megan Woods. Will, I assume this is your peak. Yeah, sorry, this is this is absolutely my peak. So the government's launched this scheme to help lower income families get into their first home. Through the scheme, uh, the government will take an equity share in, in your home. Now this has been trialled quite successfully in other parts of the world. It's something that the Greens have campaigned for for a while. So this was a pretty easy policy policy win for them. Applicants will need to have a minimum of a five percent deposit, and then the government will contribute up to twenty five percent or two hundred thousand dollars, whatever comes first which is exciting. So you could see some of these these first-time buyers in homes that are closer to the price of the median house price in New Zealand, which has just tipped over $800,000. But at the end of the day, and I hate to turn my peak into a pit because I often do this, it's still not solving the real crux of the issue, which is supply side. And we've seen it again and again, tinkering with small incentives in and around the margins to get more first-home buyers into the market. You're just flooding with them with more capital, which will continue mm-hmm. to increase the, the prices of those, of those homes in the bottom quartile that first home buyers are most interested in. If it's a shared home ownership scheme with the government, does that mean a member of parliament has to live with you? Who would you pick? Uh, to live with? Oh, e- easy, James Shaw. Oh, interesting. James um, Shaw, he I'm seems like he's you know clean and green, I like that. <laughs> he seems like the type of flatmate who would make you compost everything and then never take the compost out and then you just have a decaying bucket. Yeah, exactly. And he can, he's got a green thumb, he'll look after the garden. No, so the government doesn't move in with you, Byron. Thanks for that. However, you you eventually buy out their buy out their equity stake. So I think it's it's an exciting proposition. What's your peak of the week? Two two kind of parts to my my peak. You've got the vaccine uptake, which has uh, as of today just started to pick up again, which is really good in terms of first doses. Another seventeen thousand first doses in arms today, which is just fantastic. Um, and the other part of my peak is picnics. So I think uh, it's you know this is quite controversial. I know that there has been a massive confusion. There's also been a bit of uh, toing and froing about. We heard from Phil about what this means for Auckland and for New Zealand. But being able to see people again, um, albeit you know in small groups and only with another bubble, I think that will bring a a bit of respite to a lot of the Aucklanders who have been doing um, the hard yards and some of them very isolated in their little bubbles. So I think picnics and being able to celebrate with other people that's 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 my pick of the week. It's interesting you say that because that links incredibly well to my pit of the week. That's unfortunate. And my pit of the week was entirely to do with Monday's announcement and the lack of clarity that was associated with the vaccination rates that, that will need to be achieved in order for some of these steps to come into play. Oh, no associated targets. Right, right, right. I so I would have liked to have seen picnics be a reward for hitting 85%. And then I would have liked to have seen step two where you can go back and... Step two? I've got no idea. Uh, that's the... Spaces open with twenty-five people and zoo. You can go to the zoo. At step two, zoo. you can At go to the zoo. At step two, you can zo- go to the zoo. There step two zoo. I would have liked to seen that as a reward. I, I hear the the lack of targets, and I understand that that's that's causing um, serious confusion. You've also got to think about the equity piece as well. The types of people who have gone out and sought vaccinations are very different from the types of people who haven't. It does uh, come back to bite them when they chose to do it in age cohorts mm. because there is a large younger population amongst Māori and Pacifica who have not been eligible to get their fo- to get their doses of the vaccine for as long as some other age cohorts. Completely. And Māori and Pacifica people are disproportionately represented in some of our younger demographics than that's, they are. That's, that's, that's my that's point. That's exactly what that's you just exactly said. That's exactly my point. Nice. Well yeah. done. No, I think we're, we're in sync on that one. Speaking Ooh, of pits, though, first time. there's been this very interesting piece of legislation that's been passed. It's uh, the continuation of the COVID Emergency Response Act. So essentially, this bill enables the government to be in a state of emergency and do things under the, under the emergency powers that it would otherwise not be able to do. In the bill, they stipulate that if needed, if the outbreak gets so big, they can essentially commandeer 
private laboratories for testing purposes. Not contract out, but commandeer them. And that just runs into some serious legal challenges about, hold on, that's a private business you're now expropriating. In the words of John Key, that's some North Korea sh**. Yeah, I think John Key would not like that. Um, <laughs> we'll actually make sure that he gets another column out next year. We'll ask him. We'll ask him for another column in, in a year's time and see. And so that really worries me in terms of setting a precedent, in terms of setting a precedent to be able to just say to private businesses, I'll take that now, thanks a lot. It's not a contract relationship, and frankly, it's, it's, it's worrying to see. Yeah, look, it'll be interesting to see how far they, they take those, those emergency powers. It will. I hope they don't ever use it. We, we don't have an outbreak that's too bad and it's manageable. We don't need to use that, and they never have to expropriate private property. It's a scary precedent, though. I think that's, that's us for the week. That is us for the week, and... I hope you enjoyed this, you out there in listener land. Uh, we really do uh, hope that you got something out of it. You know, send us your feedback. You can find our details on our website, which is also new, by the way. So there's not <laughs> another new thing for you to check out is our new Orange website. It's been Christmas around here lately. It has been Christmas. Um, but we really like your feedback. We'd like to hear what you would like to hear from this <laughs> podcast and what you'd like us to talk about. And we'll try to keep it shorter and snappier, but you know, Phil. So anyway, uh, kakiteano, and we will see you in a week's time.